Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Yeah, it is time. It is time to make a change in your life. If you feel like you're you're stuck in terms of a certain challenge, whatever it might be, maybe you're dealing with anxiety, maybe stress, maybe you want to stop smoking, whatever it might be, hypnotherapy can get the job done. I'm telling you, I've been there. I've dealt with it. I was even texting a friend earlier today who described some things that she's going through. And I said, have you tried hypnotherapy? It's worth it. Go for it. We're going to talk to somebody today that helps people all over the world uh, through virtual sessions and also right there in Kansas City deal with uh, a lot of this stuff. And uh, we're going to learn more. Christos Sofianopoulos joins us on the program today. Welcome. How are you? You're great, Steve. Most important question. Did I say your last name reasonably right? <laughs> Very good. All right. Excellent. Uh, hypnotherapy, so many people have an aversion to it. Either they don't think it really works or they're afraid that the mind is going to be controlled. All of this stuff, so not true. And is this what you, you encounter from time to time when you work with people? Yeah, there's a lot of people that come with uh, preconceived ideas of what hypnosis is, what hypnotherapy is. And most people's exposure is movies or stage hypnosis, which is kind of that, that silly form of it. But in reality, we go into trances all the time. And a trance really just means we're going inside of ourselves and feeling or reliving something in the past. Mm. So, for example, if I say, hey, go back to your wedding, and what was the expression on your face when you first saw your wife? That's going inside. That's a trance. And we're just utilizing that experience of going inside, um, which is effective communication with the subconscious mind and that's to a, help that's, through. I, all of that is what I experienced. I mean, literally, it was like watching a movie when I went back to my childhood. Well, say, call it seven years old, watching a movie of myself. Uh, and, and it's not like I didn't see those scenes before. If I think about them, they come up. There's got to be a reason why they come up because they were so impactful. You know, for example, got bullied. So I see that scene on the playground, you know, um, playing kickball and uh, didn't get picked, you know, all of that. But now it's much more real when you're doing it through hypnotherapy. Is hypnotism, hypnotherapy, hypnosis, are they all the same thing? They're just different words in different avenues of the usage. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, is there anybody that can't be hypnotized? Uh, we get that question all the time. Um, well, the answer is no, uh, because we go into hypnosis or trance, as it's more formally called, all the time. Uh, we, the human brain is designed to relive experiences when we're, say, meeting somebody. We go and say, hey, was the last time I felt about that person? Or when you see your mom again after not seeing her for a while, oh, that's such a beautiful experience. So we're always going inside first and then outside, which is a trance. So all the time. Interesting you say that because there's a lot of times where during my day I will, let's say if I go to the gym and I see somebody, I don't know who they are, but they remind me of somebody else or a certain feeling that I get that reminds me of something else. Uh, we, why are we wired to go back to something familiar? Is it a, a protection thing? Um, it could be. So the one theory is the gestalt theory where we have an original source of a feeling, 
which is all created in those early months, years of our life. And then every memory is attached to that feeling. So, for example, a feeling of happiness has a, a source, and then all future feelings of happiness are attached to that in kind of a string, if you will, like knots on a rope. Some knots are bigger, some knots are smaller. But the neat thing is we can utilize that to heal as well because all fear is the same kind of string of memories, if you will. So if you heal any part of the string, you can unravel the whole thing. I guess it's a good thing, but then I guess it's a bad thing because when it comes to hypnotherapy, your subconscious is going back to things that probably don't support you and that's where the challenges come up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So right. let's say that memory was created when you were like, say, six years old. Then you've created a, a setup, a paradigm, if you will, if you want to use like Bob Proctor's word, where that's kind of gotten stuck in time. So you're re-experiencing it as a six-year-old, even if you're, say, 40 or 60 or 80. So you have to go back and kind of rewire that moment in time with an adult perspective versus a child's perspective. I want to better understand that because I, I, I feel this is so pinnacle where something that happened when you were seven years old and it's, it's my understanding that a lot of that, a lot of that stuff from zero to seven, um, maybe seven to 14 as well, really shaped your future in terms of your subconscious. How do you, how do you interpret that, that feeling now as an adult and how does that kind of navigate how you, how you live your life? Mm-hmm. It's very impactful. So, for example, um, have you ever, like, had an overreaction to something? I'm going to think about this. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think, like, in the last week or two. But, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like, all the time, usually. Yeah. <laughs> Where it's kind of the way we're designed. So, that overreaction, you're not actually reacting to the moment. You're reacting to a thing that happened at some point in the past. And, basically, that's an undealt with emotion. So that is carrying forward, and life has an interesting thing, right? So you either choose to greet it and deal with it, or life is going to keep replaying that thing until you do. And fate's kind of a, a, a cruel mistress, right? She's going to drag you into it, whether you want to or not, at some point. So if you choose to deal with it first, then you can kind of guide it versus it just popping up later in life. And I guess the, the greater challenge for many of us is we don't know... We don't, many of us don't realize that these things are coming up and kind of screwing things up for us now, that, but it's really tied to something from the past and it's your subconscious playing that over and over again. Yeah. I mean, I give you a real kind of comical example is uh, what I always like to do is, uh, let's say somebody puts a jelly donut in front of you at work and you have a goal for yourself to say, I want to get down to like 15% body fat. I'm going to get fit. I'm going to get that summer body back. I'm not going to eat that jelly donut. So that's part one of you. Part two of you goes, but I'm stressed and I want to feel good. Give me that jelly donut. Yep, yep. So that's two parts of you. So they're both you. They're just, we call them parts because they're like different segments of your subconscious. And it's just easier to kind of conceptually think of them as different parts. Well, so part one is like, let's get healthy. Part two is like, I need stress relief. And then maybe as a, child, let's say, you had a moment was really stressful and your mom goes, it's okay, honey, here's a popsicle. And you're like, oh, 
stress relief equals eating or worse stress relief equals eating something bad <laughs> yeah, so you're you're dissecting you're dissecting my life <laughs> that's a totally it because jelly donuts loved them as a kid and every once in a while i'll gravitate i just i had one like two weeks ago um that and chocolate shakes. And I guess that's where comfort food comes in, where you just, mm-hmm. yeah, you, you feel like you need something. Uh, y- you feel like you deserve it as well. You know, it's been rough. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have uh, the jelly donut. Uh, interesting how there's two sides to that because I struggle with that. Yeah, I don't want to do that jelly donut because it's, it's just not healthy. Why do I want, why am I going to do that? And then it's like, yeah, I'm going to do that. It's a, you know what it, it reminds me of, Christos? It reminds, reminds me of on one shoulder, you have the devil on the other shoulder. You have the angel. Uh-huh. It's kind of the same Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, mythology is riddled with those kind of archetypes. Mythology is our way of describing reality, but in story form, right? So when we have the, the devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other, it's all those internal parts. And it's a little bit more complex because you might have a protector part or a wounded part. And you have to first approach all of your parts Great. All your parts are always trying to do the best thing for you. The results might not be good, but they, that's what they want for you. Hmm. So, so instead of fighting your part and saying, hey, you're, you're a bad person for wanting that jelly donut and not helping us achieve our goal, you can say, hey, I noticed you want stress relief in our life. That's awesome. How about we do exercise? How about we do meditation or breathing or going to talk to somebody or anything that's in that healthy range that can also support our other goal. Interesting. Uh, never saw any of this, never heard any of this put that way, but it just makes so much sense. Um, mm-hmm. So, and, and I guess we should, I guess we should reiterate that the, the subconscious mind is, you know, I hear all different numbers, but typically at least 90% of what you're doing during the day, you're, the way you react to things, it's all coming from your subconscious. Yeah, I don't, I don't really prescribe to the percents necessarily because it's not a, a useful daily like, metric for you. So the way I kind of look at it is you have a conscious mind and a subconscious mind. The conscious mind is your logic, your reasoning, your willpower. And willpower is an interesting one because it's a mm. renewable resource, but it's finite. You only have so much willpower a day. Um, can, and you, can, you explain, can we go deeper on that one? Can you explain that a little, little more? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the subconscious is your identity, your habits, your beliefs, your emotions, and your automatic functions, heart rate, respiration, digestive, all that stuff. So let's go back to the jelly donut. Your, if you're, your conscious mind says, I want to get healthy. So you have to resist eating that jelly donut. That resisting it's willpower. But your other part says, I need stress relief. So now you're in conflict. I, I don't want to eat it because I want to get healthy, but I need to eat it to feel that stress relief. So you're using that limited but renewable resource of willpower to overcome that one that desire to eat the jelly donut. So let's say that offer has been given to you six times today. So by the end of the day, you're tired, you're stressed, you've had a long day at work, just give me that jelly donut. So it's reasonable to say earlier in the day, your willpower kicked in and said, yeah, that thing's not, that's, it's not healthy. Nah, I'm having a, mm-hmm. you know, day's going okay. Uh, I went for a jog this morning. I'm feeling, you know, energized. I'm feeling, uh, you know, more athletic. And then day goes on and you get to the point where 
Yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll take that jelly donut now. <laughs> I need it. Exactly. I need yeah. it now. Ha. Huh. Uh, what is the, what do you deal mostly with? Is there one thing that uh, a lot of people come to you to, to get change for? Is it, is it anxiety, smoking? Is there one thing that really, you know, nowadays is really above something else? If I could put a single label on it, it would probably be anxiety. Yeah. We live in a very fear-based society right now. The 24-7 news cycle, the wars, the poverty, the, I mean, you can list goes on and on. And that just kind of gets reinforced with social media. And it, we don't haven't continued teaching the skills of mindfulness and breath work and personal development to get us out of those things. So I think it just gets deeper and deeper and people get lost in it. Got it. Yeah, I, I, I totally see it. And, and yeah, since COVID, it seems to be the thing that just about everybody talks about. Uh, I want to pivot from hypnotherapy to something that's getting a lot of, a lot of talk these days, tapping. And I guess that's, mm-hmm. um, what do they call it, emotional freedom technique? It, I mean, a lot of people have different names for it. It, it ultimately comes out of the ancient Chinese medicine of acupuncture. Hmm. So, I mean, acupuncture, you're using needles. Um, and then that kind of transitioned into acupressure, where you're using the pressure points within the body to kind of manipulate the energy system. Yep. And then we kind of use that acupressure to do tapping. So it's energy-based work. When you have an emotion, you generally feel it somewhere in the body. Um, think about the last time you were scared. Okay. Focus on the body. Where do you feel it? For me, it always centers in my stomach. On your stomach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that feeling in the stomach has qualities. Is It has a shape, a texture, a color, a direction. Is it spinning? Is it static? Think about like Photoshop and movie qualities. How do you describe it? Really bring it to life. And then that now is now becomes tangible. And then now you can do something with it, which is energy work, a.k.a. Viridian tapping. Wow. I've never experienced this, what you're saying here. But it is you, you can give it. As you're saying it, I'm thinking back to the feeling in my stomach. You know, when I'm, um, call it scared, stressed, whatever it might be. And I can, I can certainly give it a, a color. I could probably give it a shape. Uh, and how does that correlate to the, the tapping? So tapping, when you're, when you're hitting a meridian or activating a meridian, all the energy in that system lights up. So when you're having an emotional response, that energy is in a particular location in the body, and we're activating the meridian of that location to kind of get that energy moving and out of the system. So is it goal of meridian tapping is like, if you take a SUDS test, the subjective unit of distress, you can say, okay, how, how much is that feeling, the anxiety, the anger, the frustration or whatever it is. So let's say it's a nine, which is really high, really intense. We can use meridian tapping to get that down to say a three, which then now we can deal with it. Because when it's so big, um, do you know like the power equation? No, never heard of that. Uh, like, like electricity power. Uh, it's very similar. So you have a thought times emotion squared. So a thought without emotion has no power. So, for example, if I say, hey, that chair you're sitting on is actually purple. You're like, no, it's not. <laughs> because there's no emotional power behind it. But now if I say that chair 
was actually George Washington's chair that he sat on while he was a president, and now that chair is yours. You're going to be like, wow, that's, like, really powerful. And now that has power. Same thing with, with the body. That fear, the higher the intensity of the fear, the thought now attached to that fear, I'm not enough, or I'm going to be abandoned, or that spider is going to get me, now has power. Mm. So with meridian tapping, we can take that power down and then use other techniques like hypnosis to actually deal with that fear or that underlying emotion. In, in all of this, what I'm getting is it's energy and potentially it can be stuck energy. Um, mm-hmm. is that, does that sound reasonable? Absolutely. Well, and the, think about, so the ages of zero to young. It ver- the age varies depending on who you read. Yep. It's all feeling memory. We don't have the words and the, the thought capabilities yet to truly understand what we're feeling. So it's just feeling. So like, let's say you're, you're a baby, an infant, and your mom or dad was just like having a rough day and they just screamed at you for something you did. That baby is going to have that physical response of, oh my gosh, I'm getting yelled at by the person I love. And that's all they can understand in that moment. And sometimes that energy gets stuck, which then creates a core memory, if you will, which then travels through time. And every time somebody yells at you, you're going back to that age. So you feel different. You're going back to the state in which you were at that younger age. Is this a lot of... Which is why we feel that. is, Is it giving the feeling more of an identity so that we can better work with it, deal with it? Is that yeah, how, sometimes that helps. Okay. Because that, that's what I'm picking up so, here. <laughs> well, there's, so there's like all different kinds of techniques, right? There's timeline techniques and regression techniques and empty chair work. And I mean, there's infinite number of techniques, right? The technique is less important than kind of like the theory of why it works. Gotcha. I I'd never heard of these techniques before, and I've done... I've done uh, timeline regression. I've experienced that, you know, where you go back to the first time you felt a certain negative emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it was impactful. Um, but now it's this is a lot of this is coming more clear for me, somebody who's done hypnotherapy, that it's a feeling, but you need to identify it or give it a give it an identity. Um, you know, even if you want to give it a name, you know, whatever, whatever's going to work. Um, this just seems like there's many different ways to, uh, to help somebody. How did this begin for you? How, you know, your journey into hypnotherapy and helping people? Um, I mean, I, I when I was, I, I come from, I'm a first generation American. My, both my parents were born, uh, outside the United States. And that kind of set me apart from the average kid. And, when I was in that moment, that created that reservation, that kind of stress around being amongst other kids. So I was very reserved, which then looking back is like, that's one of my greatest strengths because that built the skill of listening, being truly present and allowing that other person to feel heard and feel seen. And I didn't know it at the time because I didn't coaching was never a thing growing up, right? It was, you're going to go to college, you're going to get your degree in something important like computer science, and which was my path, right? I went the traditional, go to school, get good grades, get a corporate job. And then I was at a marketing conference, and I met William Wood, uh, who became my mentor. 
He's a Northwest uh, uh, Utah Hypnosis Center. And I was like, he was up on stage, and he did this hypnosis for the entire crowd of, like, 4,000 people. It's like, how crazy awesome was that? So I went up to him after the, after the day was over. I'm like, please tell me how you do what you do. And we became friends, and eventually he became my mentor. And a couple years later, after hundreds of hours of class time and session time, and so I created the Olathe Hypnosis Center. Wow. What was the biggest challenge for you along the way? Personal development, by far none. I mean, the skills of business is obviously hard. Taxes and and liability and marketing and sales and all these things obviously are a lot to learn. Yep. But the hardest thing is personal growth because the grave is the richest place in the world. People don't follow through on their passions, their big ideas. So the thing that changes between the people who are doing versus the people who are waiting is themselves. And do you think that's a, a fear of failure that we don't move forward with what we really our, our true passions are? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's usually two core beliefs, right? I'm a, I'm not enough, or I'm fearing abandonment. So when you're doing something new, doing something scary, because it's the unknown, you have to grow, and the people around you aren't necessarily going to grow with you. So sometimes you have to leave them behind, and leaving people behind is scary. Doing something new also means some people aren't going to like you for doing that scary thing because it makes them feel scary. Mm. Abandonment. So that's, yeah, that's huge. You know, and, and Christos, I got to tell you, I've never connected the, the two there. You know, fear of abandonment is one thing. Uh, maybe you experience it as a child and then you take that into relationships. But I never thought of it in terms of trying to achieve your goals. And what you're just saying here in that you have a, a fear of leaving others behind because it's time, it's time to leave them behind. They don't serve, you know, yep. you, the goal or, or your life anymore. Um, and that can hold you back. And I never thought of it in that, that context. Uh, but it gets right back to what hypnotherapy can do. Go back to where it all began and get rid of it. Change the program, so to speak. If you want, I can give you a pretty good example. Yeah, please. Uh, this is like a business context. So for those professionals, like in the corporate world, uh, there was a person that we worked with. He was very successful in his corporate job, but his father had told him, you will never be more than me, mm. which created an identity level issue um, within that person. So every time they would reach a particular salary or a particular role, subconsciously he would go, uh-oh, that's more than my dad. I'm out. And he would sabotage his career. And then he'd have to start all over. And this cycle repeated and repeated and repeated until he's like, oh, I've had enough. I need to do something about it. Wow. So, you know, he came to us and, and we resolved it. But that's something that plays out in everybody's life. Different, obviously, topics, but the same kind of thing. Uh, I had another client where uh, she was a business, an entrepreneur, and her husband had cancer when they hit $10,000 a month. So she associated $10,000 a month with getting sick. So every time they would hit $10,000 a month, she would do something to self-sabotage and their income would drop. Not pick up the phone, blow off a client, not take a contract, whatever. So there, there was a core belief that says $10,000 a month equals sickness. 
Unbelievable. <laughs> it's just, and thank you for the true real world examples of things that we we internalize those beliefs. I have a friend. Uh, she's a great connector. She's got a great heart. She does so much charity work. She's a struggling single mom. And I know, and she always says, uh, you know, I'm just not going to make enough money. I don't know what it is. On and on and on and on. I know that it comes from her upbringing and or it comes from her ex that uh, placed that upon her. And she never rises above. And I know she's got everything she needs, but she just kind of derails herself. It's fascinating how this uh, mm-hmm. this all works to uh, hold us back. But the answer is hypnotherapy to, uh, to move us forward. Uh, how do we connect with you? If somebody really wants to make those changes in their life, and uh, whether they know what, what, what's holding them back or not, because that can be identified through hypnotherapy, how do they find you? Uh, the easiest way is probably going to alapahypnosiscenter.com, um, or they could reach out to me on, on by phone, uh, 713-817-3456. That's have usually to, the two best places. Got to ask you, Olathe, uh why did you choose it? What does it mean? Uh, Olathe just happens to be the city that I live in, so it's... Oh. Um, it's easily searchable for the people around me. <laughs> Fantastic. I thought there was some kind of deep meaning there. <laughs> <laughs> no, not on that one. Wow. Well, yeah, but you know what? All good. Uh, great talking with you today. And I, I thank you for all the insight because it makes a lot of things come even clearer for me. Again, somebody who has had hypnotherapy before we met, um, but certainly for others who are maybe on the fence or afraid of it, uh, it just it is it creates the change in your life and it is it's truly the way to go and i thank you so much for being here today absolutely and if you've got maybe 2 minutes i could probably do a quick uh tapping thing for people if they if you think we have time we actually don't and they're going to cut us off so um i suggest we table that for next time would love love to do that absolutely excellent okay we'll talk soon thanks again i appreciate you you too we'll be right back Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Adopt US Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. Your daughter just had her first breakup. Do you A, put yourself in her shoes? How could he do this to you? And for Sheila, she, she has split ends. B, console her. Oh, sweetie, this is going to happen a lot. Four, maybe five more times before you get married. C, take charge. Got to get this all straightened out. Keep a little talking to, man-to-man, mano-a-mano. Hey, Steve! Is now a good time? No? Okay, no problem. Bye. Or D, help her find a new boyfriend. I know a great place to meet boys. The internet. Nice, single boys. Never mind. How about some ice cream? As a parent, there are no perfect answers. But you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council.